Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's program, it's the return of Telltale. How WoW has regained an audience. And is it time to listen to some K-pop? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, wishing everyone out there a tremendous Labor Day weekend. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our K-pop band member of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out everything that's going on today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, all of our Pop Culture Cosmos social media, and of course, his book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's going on, man? You know what? I'm about to fire the guy that writes the intro script. So what you should have said was, wow, the telltale of K-pop today on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And that's all you needed right there. And people have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The master of K-pop right there for you. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll talk about K-pop a little bit later in the program. We're also going to be talking about the resurgence of World of Warcraft with WoW Classic, just gaining a whole bunch of headlines and a lot of viewers. Also, as well, we're going to talk about the controversy with Borderlands. Why is there controversy with Borderlands? Hey, would you say that WoW has been raiding headlines? Ooh, in a manner of speaking, yes. The only thing that's passing it right now is a Popeye's chicken sandwich. But we won't talk about that right now. But we will be talking about Borderlands crossing over with Fortnite and causing a whole lot of controversy, a lot of angry people out there. We'll also continue our list of the top 200 video games as you chose out there from number 161 to 170. We'll talk about the next numbers on the list there for you. Plus also as well, we'll talk, like I said, on the back end of the show about some K-pop as well. But first, my friend... It is going to be a little bit of a slow weekend for pop culture, I guess because it's Labor Day weekend. A lot of people are taking the weekend off, and that goes as well for everything in pop culture. I know Disney World just opened Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and a lot of people were very excited about that. A lot of people just rushing right to it right away. But then again, we've already had it here on our side of the fence here in the U.S., before we go ahead and talk a little bit about the resurgence of Telltale, you know, in a new fashion, so to speak, tell me about your thoughts on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. 
and what people can expect when they go to either the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Anaheim or in Orlando, Florida. They just opened it up at Disney World. It's gone, you know, obviously oh. everybody's crazy for it. There were, you know, just mass hysteria going on there. It's almost like at a Popeyes. Well, it just goes to show you that people in Florida are, are probably bigger Star Wars fans than Anaheim because Anaheim's opening didn't exactly go as Disneyland planned, but Florida, I'm, I'm hearing there's like three-hour lines to get into some of this stuff. I think they'd experienced some of those things as well, didn't they? No, when they first opened, they actually like misjudged how many people are going to show up to this because everyone voided Disneyland because they thought that the opening of uh, Galaxy's Edge was going to create a bunch of lines. So there's all these people going to Disneyland on these days that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was opening, and there were there was nobody in the park. There were no lines because everyone thought that it was going to be crowded. Ah, I see. So miscalculation there, but not for Disney World. And it's even going to get better because once they have the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, a.k.a. the Star Wars Hotel that they're going to have there right adjacent to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge down there, a.k.a. Star Wars Land. It's going to be an even better experience down there in Orlando. You know what? After D23, a lot of people are still buzzing about all the changes coming to Disney Plus and, and the Disney parks. And it's just amazing to see how the landscape is is truly being dominated by Disney is it a good thing, my friend? I know we talked about it at length before when it comes to the movies, but as an overall experience, as, as a family man, I still think it's good because I think they're setting a right pattern in a lot of ways. But you're right when you spoke about how their greed sometimes overcomes their good decision-making. Yeah, but I mean, it, I would say that's in, in the realm of movies and entertainment. But when they when it comes to like their, their theme parks, actually do a, an incredible job. Last time you were in Disneyland, right? It was last year. If you go, like, because Disneyland is surrounded by, you know, Harbor, Harbor Boulevard, Chapman, Ball, what, you know, the big major streets, Catella, they do such a great job of closing, closing off your view of all that stuff, though. Like, you go to Tomorrowland, you have the big Space Mountain building, you go into Frontierland, you have just plants, like walls and walls of plants. Like, you, when you're in Disneyland, they do an incredible job of making you feel like you're you're someplace detached from everything else. So maybe money has gotten the best of them, but like they do a good with their theme parks, they do an incredible job. And as far as Star Wars is concerned, like I I went to the one in Anaheim a couple of weeks ago, and it's really cool because you you take this long path. How did how do you get there? You know where um, the Winnie the Pooh ride was, right? Where they have Splash yes. Mountain and stuff. So there's a walkway back there. Don't take away my Splash Mountain, Disneyland. No, no, the Splash Mountain's still there, but there's a walkway back there, and it, like it kind of sets the whole thing up, right? Like you got your X-wing, you got your your Chewbacca, you got some like merch stands and stuff like that. It creates the experience, and then it it slowly starts to build up until you get into the actual Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge, whatever it's called. And then it's just, it's all Star Wars. Like even you go into the bathrooms and it's even, everything looks like a, you know, not just the cantina from Star Wars, but different places on Tatooine. And, uh, you know, the, the, the building structure looks like something that would be, what's it, Mos, Mos Eisley? Is that the place in the New Hope? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing looks like that. And they got this giant Millennium Falcon hanging out. And it's a really cool place. And they're, they're able, like, in Star Wars, they play music, and it actually feels like it, it helps create it. Uh, in, like, Frontierland, right? You can hear music sometimes, but it depends on if you're next to a speaker. In Star Wars land, they have music playing all over the place, so it actually gives you this feel. 
And since it's kind of smaller than a lot of the other places in Disneyland, it gives you this feel like you're being immersed into this world in Star Wars. Like it's not, it creates this feeling like you're walking on a movie set and it's really cool. But just don't take any of the thermal detonators, AKA Star Wars Coke that's there onto a plane because TSA is going to take that right away from you. Right, right. So, you, you know, it, when they ask you, they'll, they'll be like, you got to promise them also that you won't have any disintegrations. So, Well, if you shake it up, you're going to have an explosion, whether you like it or not. You know, if your friends are trapped in carbonite, don't use that to bluff is what, what TSA is trying to say. Oh, there you go. There you go. But it is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It is now available, like we said, right now at Disney World and also, of course, Disneyland as well. Just looking forward to all the expansions that Disney is going to do for its theme parks, including, like I said, the Star Wars Hotel, a.k.a. the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Of course, also as well, they're going to be talking about Marvel's uh, Avengers Campus. Still don't love that name, Avengers Campus, but you know what? Hey, call it what you want. It's still going to be a Marvel's Avengers Land type deal that's going to be also at theme parks around the world for Disney. Just looking forward to everything going on, the Moana experience, the redoing of Epcot Center. Just looking forward to, in the future, taking my kids to see all those experiences. And I know a lot of other families and, and big Disney fans like yourself, Josh, as well. So looking forward to all that coming up with disney but my friend the big news this week is a well actually somebody that i interviewed when i was going to national university i interviewed him during my tenure there his name is colin campbell he's one of the lead writers for polygon.com he actually got a chance to break the story i'm going to give him credit for doing so in the revival i don't know he said controversial revival after all that went through with telltale games I mean, Telltale had their own style, their own way of storytelling, a lot of great titles that they did, including the Walking Dead series and so many others that I know a lot of people just, you know, just truly loved. A lot of issues with the graphics and, you know, sometimes they they couldn't get it going as far as the frame rate. But as far as their narrative storytelling, they just couldn't do it much better than what Telltale did during their series of games because they made so many games that were so impactful to a lot of gamers. Unfortunately, they met their demise within recent times, but they are being revived from the dead, not entirely with the same type of crew that, that they had before. A company called LCG Entertainment this week, they, they're acquiring the Telltale Games name so they can go ahead and basically use the Telltale Games name for any upcoming games that they make. And they're acquiring some of the, the, the titles in, that Telltale's had in the past. A lot of people are saying that they're ex really excited for it. Others are saying it's not going to be the Telltale that they know and love. So they're not going to be able to get on board with it unless they see some games really come out that have that Telltale quality. I want to ask you, my friend, after all the games that you've played with Telltale and all the games that they produced in the past, how does a revival of Telltale sound to you? You know, this was weird when the, the story broke on this. They didn't specify if they're going to be keeping some of the IPs that they have. I know they specified two, right? It was Batman and Wolf Among Us. Wolf Among Us. But I, I think there might, it says some in the, in the story that he broke. But, it, you know, as far as which ones, I don't think that's 100% cleared out as of yet. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm curious that a lot of the the Telltale games that disappeared from like the the Sony marketplace or the Xbox marketplace are those going to be coming back? And if so, who is profiting off of them? I mean, because The Walking Dead, the final game that they did was The Walking Dead: The Final Season that came out earlier this year. Right, and another company picked that up, though. Right? Yeah, exactly. To go ahead and finish it because they had already died as an entity already. But you're right. The Game of Thrones, the Minecraft story mode. Guardians of the Galaxy, Tales from the Borderlands. I mean, they have so many titles which they've had in the past. They had even Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, a lot of licensed games. But still, what is the effect of that? I mean, you can go even back as far as Tales of Monkey Island and Sam and Max Save the World. You can even go back to that as far as what games that they've been a part of. Which ones are they keeping? Which ones are they going to revive? Which ones are they going to be able to go ahead and maybe look back into maybe expand upon i'm not sure as well but i mean is this a good sign for the video game industry that at least telltale games will survive in some form or fashion even though it's not going to be the telltale games exactly 100 percent that we know and love yeah i mean i guess the big question here is are they going to be able to avoid the mistakes of the past and that's going to ultimately be the deciding factor here but if Telltale is, you know, they're, they're, they're pioneers in what they've done as far as interactive storytelling goes and using popular IPs. I would love if they do, if this comeback is successful, I would love to see them come up with something original because I imagine purchasing the licensing to some of those IPs, Gardens of the Galaxy especially, costs a pretty penny and that's money that could be used to better develop some of these games. Either that or baby steps, maybe work on other people's games, things of that nature, get your feet wet once again, and then go ahead with your own storytelling narrative. But you're right. Some of these licensed games and these decisions that they made financially were not, just didn't make up to what they needed to go ahead and do because you're paying so much for the licensing for some of these games. And again, it it all came down to because of the money that you're spending on all these licenses, they didn't generate enough volume in sales to go ahead and compensate for that to earn enough of a profit to stay in business. I mean, the most, what, of recent times, the most well-known series of games that, they, that they're that they best known for is the Walking Dead series, correct? No, but Batman also got a lot of uh, critical praise just because of the way that they they portrayed the Joker. And so that's something that I, I have read a lot of articles about and, you know, also walking dead but batman was pretty high up there too yeah that's true but the walking dead did get actually like you said uh earlier that got a final season i mean that's something that a lot of people had reached toward to but it didn't get quite enough what they need to do to stay in business the first time around but you're right it's about avoiding those same pitfalls and avoiding those same mistakes i still think at some point in time down the road we're going to see what this new revived telltale games can do i think they can still make a great impression with gamers no it will not be the same exact telltale games i think hopefully that they will learn from the mistakes of the past and be able to address them going forward do you still see a reliance on licensed material or do you see them branching out on their own because when they branched out into original territory like the wolf among us and they really haven't gone too much outside of licensing games in recent times So I want to ask you, is this going to be something that they're going to trend to in the future as far as 
original IPs, something oh, steering away from the licensed territory, or do you think that they just became so reliant on it that that's something that they're familiar with and that's something that they're going to go ahead and deal with and turn towards to early on in the revival of Telltale Games? You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace Gaming Wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code VITABRACE50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace Gaming wristband, or use the code buy one get one, and it's buy one get one free. That's right, just use the code VITABRACE50, or buy and the number one get and the number one today to get some great deals on some Vitabrace Gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. Do you want to know what I would do if I were Telltale? Absolutely. You're running Telltale. You put the cashola in there, my friend. You go went ahead and you said, I'm going to revive Telltale Games. I'm interviewing you as the new head of Telltale Games. Congratulations. So first order of business, I'm going to go up into my office, put my feet up on my desk, and then I am going to take a page out of the Marvel playbook, right? How they're getting all these, these, uh, writer director teams that nobody has heard of and they are injecting them into the marvel universe and creating box office gold so what i would do is i would find who who are some of the most popular authors out there right now right there's a lot of really great talent breaking into the market i'm not this is not a plug for myself but like you know because <laughs> you, you knew i was going to yeah yeah i mean hey i wouldn't say no to it but like hey there's there's a lot of like talent out there you know you have Ben Brooks, Jonathan Tropper, there's uh, the guy that wrote, what's that, Pierce, Pierce Brown, who wrote the Red Rising trilogy. Like, there's a lot of talented sci-fi and fiction writers out there that could take a property like this, uh, you know, an original IP, and create something magical from it, you know? And it's just, it's, basically, that's what Telltale Games are. They're, they're novels with, with pictures, you know? Look at how successful... Life is Strange has been, you know, you create something that has an impactful narrative. It's sad, you know, it, it plays to the emotions and it's not based on anything. There was some interaction as far as the game. I mean, it wouldn't be you, called a right, game. Right. No, you're not reading a motion comic by any means, but I mean, like it's your, the animators are, the people animating the game are making the game based off of a story instead of forcing people to write a game based off of a property that's, I feel, I feel like if they did it, took the Life is Strange approach or Wolf Among Us approach even, and got somebody who's actually like talented at writing stories and creating narratives and and uh, pulling on people's heartstrings, they could create something magical. They could create the next Life is Strange. That's true. And I'm hoping that with this revived version of Telltale Games that they'll go ahead and make smarter decisions and hopefully bank on some original IPs outside of just being solely reliant on these licensed properties and be able to take that one notch higher and be able to bring Telltale back to a relevance. Do you think this is going to be possible? Do you think by, not by E3 next year, 
But let's say E3 three years down the road. Do you think Telltale will come out with its maybe its second or third game by that time? And you'll say to yourself, Telltale Games is now a company I can trust once again. Yeah, you know, like I said earlier, it depends on if they can keep themselves, not make the same mistakes they made before, like overstaffing and and over what's 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 the word burnout? I think they're called it in the industry. Burn out your employees, not making good financial decisions. They need to avoid doing stuff like that. And then and then maybe you know they 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 definitely if they're popping back up as Telltale, like they they got a reputation that they have to smooth out before people really say I trust them to make a really good game. And first of all, they got to make a really good game. They got to start start there. But you know, in three years, who knows? You know, we I, will E three be around in three years? Who knows? But maybe they'll pop up at GamesCon. I don't know. And Telltale has always made smaller, smaller games too. So you got to take that into account. And it, the, the model does seem to work. So I, I think that they, they have a good foundation for a, you know, for a successful future. But like I said, they got a reputation they got to get past first. This is true, but it's going to be a wait and see exactly how this revised version of Telltale games will pan out. We're hoping for the best because as gamers, we're always looking for great alternatives when it comes to the design and far as how we're looking for, your, for the way we want narratives to be told in our gaming platforms. You and I especially, because we look really towards, we actually sometimes prefer a gaming narrative over gameplay itself when it comes to what we want out of the video game and not just always the same multiplayer, the same battle royale, the same shooter, the same RTS, same RPG all the same that we, you and I have seen for so many years. It's always great once we get every now and then a story that we can really invest our time into. I mean, you just couldn't talk enough about God of War, Hellblade. You couldn't talk enough about it. You thought that was incredible. I mean, I've told you on, at length about my desire and love for the Mass Effect and Uncharted series. I mean, those are great narratives as well. So if Telltale can just go ahead and... Now that it's back in some form or fashion, not quite what it once was, but if it can come back stronger than ever, hopefully with some better narratives, with maybe some better choices and decision-making, it can be two, three, four years down the line, even bigger than what Telltale was before. What are your thoughts out there on Telltale Games coming back to life once again? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, I want to ask you before we head to the break about the resurgence of WoW. That's right. World of Warcraft Classic is back once again in a new form, a little bit revived, a little bit refreshed. Now, I want to ask you, because everybody went gaga over it almost as much as Popeye's Chicken Sandwiches. You see that theme running through here, just like it was on our last episode. But it was really a, a, just a, something to see that a game that old can still have some great impact because it got a fresh coat of paint. A lot of people were getting back into it again because WoW Classic was available to WoW subscription holders once again. And just the people that were in it were just were so invested, so, so excited to be back into that realm once again, reliving a lot of the same memories that they had so many years ago but the fact is why it's so important is that there was over a million people at certain given points of time watching and following on streaming platforms so i ask you my friend 
for anybody out there that's interested, is it time to get back into WoW Classic and World of Warcraft once again? At I mean, this point, yeah, did, did you, how much did you play it back in the day? I played it a little, but how much did you play it back in the day? I only played it at my friend's house, so I never had a computer that was good enough. I'm, I've never been part of the PC Master Race. You know, I've never had a computer good enough to run any of this stuff, so the only time I ever played any type of PC games was at friend's house. You know, I, was, I had consoles. I had Sega Genesis, Nintendo 64, Sony PlayStation, yada, yada. It's a fun game. Like, I'd go to my friend's house, and I'd watch them do raids and stuff, and I know, like, I had friends in high school who'd wake up. Uh, Brian Wagner from the Super BS Gamescast, like I, he would wake up especially early to go do, uh, you know, to raid dungeons. And like I know, I know a lot of people who have a lot of really great memories with that game. And yeah, this this seems like a a good as good a time as any to bring it back because we haven't had a new Warcraft property in years, and it doesn't look like we're going to be getting anything new, you know, outside of the expansions. It doesn't look like we're going to be getting anything new, like a, a World of Warcraft 2 or a Warcraft 4, whatever might be next in the pipeline for that franchise. It doesn't sound like we're going to be getting that. So, I, and I think that gamers know that, and the fact that they're 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 just clamoring for anything new to play. And the WoW subscription I know has dropped a little bit, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it did. But I mean, it was so expensive before that. That kept a lot of people away, even though it was so immensely popular. But yeah, it's because of its age, it had to go down in price at some point in time. Right, right. So that being said, like I, I think that this is a good time because we have all these game remasters, right? We keep clamoring for Mass Effect. We've got Spyro reimagined. We've got Crash has come back out. Even some of these big MMOs, Elder Scrolls Online, like they shut down for a bit and then came back. Final Fantasy fourteen came back with a realm reborn like there's final fantasy 7 being remastered there's just there's so many games being remastered don't you feel like it was just a matter of time until warcraft came out remastered yeah you're right especially knowing blizzard they got to go ahead and delve into that cookie jar once again and try to see if people can relive the magic i think a lot of other games are are primed to go ahead and and get that same type of new coat of paint i mean we see it all the time there's like what at least 10 to 20 re-releases every single year from games in the past that we're now seeing. I mean, the talk of this week is what the Lion King and Aladdin coming from Sega. They're beginning a new coat of paint as well. Yeah, I saw that. That That's kind of, I mean, it, it's cool. I don't know like how <laughs> the Lion King on Sega Genesis was one of the most frustrating games I have ever played in my life because you had to time every jump perfectly so i'm wondering like how is that mechanic going to work on the switch because the switch is the buttons are very reactive so is it going to be easier is it going to be more difficult like I'm, I'm excited to play them i don't know maybe it's something i'll pick up on black friday but it's not like a instant buy for me and the next day josh will have to go and get a new nintendo switch because he threw his across the room and it broke oh up my gosh i'm telling you man jumping over the there's like the spike plant pits like those always always got me man i always kept going back for uh for more punishment because i swore that i could do it better well but i want to ask you getting back to wow classic and the the fact that right now a lot of people are following it a lot of people are watching it that's a new element I don't think a lot of people realize that would happen and take place because, yeah, there was always streaming going on with WoW. You know, ever since the, the streaming 
market even took place when Twitch was, first arrived and, and other streaming platforms first arrived. I mean, WoW was one of the first games to actually have any type of movement of people following it. But to go back into the world of Azeroth, to go back into all those memories that a lot of people have of playing WoW for so long, I mean, that type of following and just people watching it, dude, over a million viewers at the same time watching, you know, something that people have been playing for basically 15 years plus, that's incredible, man. That just shows the the power of of what a lot of people like to do when the you know as far as nostalgia i mean we we touch on this on almost every episode nostalgia if it's done in the right way really does pay i think it was you i was talking to about this or maybe someone else but the the idea that like there's so much nostalgia in the market right now that it's bound to collapse like there has to be something new coming out because you know much like disney nobody's really being innovative anymore so a lot of the popular games like people are depending on already made franchises so i mean you think if blizzard were to put focus into something that's not world of warcraft related not starcraft related do you think if they put focus onto something new that they could create something that recaptures the magic of wow i think they could have something that does for i mean what about Overwatch? I mean, they brought that out. That garnered a lot of, of mainstream input, a lot of people watching it on streaming outlets like Twitch and, and all the whole nine yards. I mean, a lot of people were watching and initially were very interested in Overwatch. I mean, the Overwatch League, a lot of people are getting into it. I know a lot of people that were associated with Game Source that were really excited to play it and get into it. So when Blizzard wants to do something right, it is a big event. And they're one of the few developers or publishers, you know, whichever way you want to say it, that when they bring out a game, it does garner attention. So, yes, if they bring out another IP in about a year or two, whatnot, because, you know, just like Rockstar and some other high profile brand names that are out there, they don't bring out games every year. They bring out games every, what, three, five, seven years and when they do, it's a big event. So I could see them with whatever next IP that they're going to bring out have that type of effect that they're seeing now from WoW Classic. World of Warcraft Classic is putting a new coat of paint on the world of Azeroth, and a lot of people are sure enjoying it and probably will be enjoying it for some time to come. What are your thoughts out there on WoW Classic? Are you playing it? Are you getting back into it? Are you tempted to get back into it? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next in our second half hour, we're going to be talking about the Borderlands Fortnite controversy. We're also going to break down our list of the top 200 video games of all time with our next 10, which is 161 to 170. And is Josh ready to do some K-pop? We'll find out coming up in our second half. This is the PCC Multiverse. Hey listener, Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy <laughs> happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. 
If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Boys from the underground. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. I just cannot thank enough everybody for watching and listening to our programs. Josh, you wanted this as part of the show because it came up this week that there's an in-game event again with Fortnite. And Fortnite, this is one of the master strokes that helped bring them to the massive popularity that both you and I saw last year that just put them in a space that very few video games have ever approached. They're not exactly at that level at this point in time, but still, they're very popular. And another in-game event just happened, like we've seen before with Marvel and other things that they've done as far as in-game events, concerts, you know, a lot of innovative stuff that we've never seen before out of a video game. They recently brought Borderlands into the world of Fortnite for a crossover event. But it didn't seem to go well with everyone, did it? No, it's funny because I've been kind of following this all week. I've been coming up on the social media posts of, and just because I'm curious because the, the people who like Borderlands are completely different from the people who like Fortnite. And that's kind of evident in the way that everyone is raging against the fact that Borderlands 3 won't be on the Steam store for the first three months that it's out. There's a lot of bad blood between Borderlands players and Fortnite players. And I think that is what caused the whole, like, the Steam fanboys getting mad that it was on Epic Store because that's... it. it Borderlands is, is more mature, I guess you can say, whereas Fortnite's something that's more for kids. And the fact that you have these these hardcore gamers who absolutely hate Fortnite but love Borderlands and you have these worlds crossing over, it's just they're, they're not going to be happy about it because there's two types of gamers, right, when it comes to Fortnite. You either love Fortnite or you hate Fortnite. And if you hate Fortnite and they cross over the game that you do love, of course you're going to be mad about it. So it's just, it's funny. It's been funny watching the reactions of this. I know Jason Muse of Jay and Silent Bob fame has been streaming it, but it's just, they're two worlds that seem very weird to be put together, and it's not having a good audience reaction. No, it isn't. But I think that leads to a larger argument or larger question, not only Borderlands being in Fortnite, and that's not to me a big deal, and nor should it be. I mean, it's just advertising. Hey, if they're they're making this exclusive deal with with the Epic Game Store, and I think that's what came out of it was, hey, look, Borderlands, we want to go ahead and advertise Borderlands and Fortnite, which is kind of weird advertising a video game within a video game. But you know, we've come to that point in 2019 where those kind of things happen. But it does, in my opinion, lead to a larger issue we need to discuss. And that is the dichotomy that we're seeing right now as far as the battle and the kind of mind games that are going on with fans and, and, and gamers alike when it comes to Epic Store versus Steam. So for PC gamers out there, Steam has been the marketplace for so many years. GOG, aka Good Old Games, has not been something that's even been on their radar really that much. But Steam has been the dominant force in PC gaming seemingly forever now. And now you have Epic Game Store coming onto the horizon right now, trying to build up its library, trying to make exclusive deals. But every time that there's exclusive deals made, 
In fact, there's been case after case after case of developers being harassed by people upset that it's not in the Steam store. It's actually getting to the point where it's really becoming uh, you know, a lot of verbiage and a lot of bad will, a lot of bad feelings towards these developers and programmers when it comes to people on that platform exclusively. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, when it comes to the the actual the conflict right now between the Steam store and the Epic Game Store. I mean, to me, it's getting a little bit nastier than it ever was with Sony and Microsoft. Okay, so as far as that goes, like it's it, what's what's dumb about it to me is the fact that these are both companies that make or at one time made games, if that makes sense. Like Steam, you know, Valve, uh, Epic, obviously known for games like. like- Gears of War, you know, and and then with with Steam, it's it's you know Left for Dead, Half Life. Uh, don't even get me started. Right, right. So there's a whole feud there. But I mean, at the end of the day, don't you think that's kind of dumb? Because both both storefronts are free. You don't, you know, where Steam, you have to install something. Epic Store, you can just click on it and download the game, and that's all you need. But it's not like it's costing you any money to use one platform versus another. And they're both the servers aren't on epic the servers are on your computer you just install the game and it plays like an old pc game where you just it connects you to a server much like counter-strike then you play with your friends is that it's i don't get what whole controversy is about but everyone's getting like super hostile towards each other over it well i think it's because again it goes back to exclusivity for because steam is so much more populated than epic game store at this point in time when anything goes onto an Epic's Game Store format and stays exclusive for any length of time, a lot of people get hostile over because they don't want to switch from Steam to Epic and go back to Steam. But there's also within the development community, I know because there's different payouts and percentages, I think with one leaning towards the other, I think that's also becoming a sign that within the industry, it's becoming problematic as well. Yeah, and I, I also feel like a lot of people are seeing like what what Steam has done, and they're like, "Oh, we could do something like that." It's kind of like how the streaming services, right? People have been watching what Netflix is doing, like, "Oh, we could do something like that," and boom, we have a whole butt ton of streaming services. And it's gonna, I I have a feeling it's gonna be the same thing with gaming soon. We're gonna have a bunch of people with separate storefronts or separate gaming streaming services. There's just a lot going on there, and I, I it's. Epic Store will not be the last thing that pops up. I don't think so, but right now it's still Steam, I think, with with most of the market share. Epic Game Store, I think a lot of people are interested in it, but as long as they keep making these exclusive deals, they're going to have some people wanting to go ahead over on that side, but you're also going to have a lot more people that are diehard Steam fans also trying to go ahead and just be so definitive in their actions and their words about the type of dismay that they have over the games not being able to come over to Steam right away. Because Steam is not making these type of exclusive deals. No, but the Steam store is like, it's it's so messy and oversaturated with things. And especially like, from what I understand, like the porn games are a real issue on Steam too. Like you go on like their top selling games, it's all these indie created half pornography games that people are making and that's something that i feel like epic doesn't do right because they they have fortnite fortnite's a game that kids play so it's just it's it it is one of those things where it just it, it feels like 
Epic's kind of been watching what Steam has, is doing wrong, and this is their chance to kind of come out the gates doing it right. Let me ask you this. Even though Steam has the large lead at this point in time, is it something five years down the line we're going to be saying, hey, look at Epic Game Store. They're the big kid on the block, and Steam is the one that has some fading glory? Well, we also have to take into consideration on Steam is that you can create your own games, right? Like they have dev kits they put out, and there's even like Steam Game Builder. Like you can you can play those. So Steam literally accepts any type of game. So if you're you're an indie creator, Steam is where you go. So until Epic has that kind of um, accessibility, I think I don't really feel like Steam is in any danger of being knocked off their pedestal. What does everyone out there think about the ongoing battle between Steam and the Epic Game Store? Got to hear your thoughts on it. And was it cool for Borderlands to be invading into Fortnite territory? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, we got to continue our list, my friend, of the top 200 video games of all time. If you want to go ahead and check out the lists as they are right now, updated each and every day, you want to check it out on our popculturecosmos.wordpress.com site. I mean, it's each day we bring you a new 10 every single day that these were voted on by you, the fans out there that follow us. So we truly appreciate everyone taking the time to have made their list down. And our big list is continuing with numbers 161 to 170. So I'm going to give you the countdown, my friend. Here is the numbers 161 to 170. Starts off with GTA 3, Grand Theft Auto 3 at number 170. Going to start again with 1. 169 is Dungeon Explorer for the TurboGrafx-16. Going way back on that one. Number 168 is the original Darksiders game. 167 is Crazy Taxi. 166 is Comic Zone. And 165 is Act Razor. Before we head down on any more of the list, is there any of these games that sticks out to you? For me, I could tell you right now, it's Crazy Taxi. That was one game during the 90s that I just could not get enough of because it was just so much fun to play. It was so wacky, so different, and it just seemed like it was just a lot of fun. And even today, when you can play it, whether you're playing it through a, a type of modifier or, or a MAME or or however you get a chance to play it in today's format or even on retro consoles, it still is a lot of fun to play. I know Darksiders, a lot of the people at Game Source when it first came out were just going gaga over it and they enjoy it so much. It's still a great looking game even to this day. But my friend, is there any game so far that we've counted down on the first five that we've talked about that really appealed to you in any fashion? Okay, so much like you, I've got good memories with Crazy Taxi. I have it on my phone actually, so I like I'll, you know, I'll, I'll play it when I get bored. Either and doesn't that blow your mind that something that you're playing in the arcades at in the '90s and needed all that horsepower at that time was top of the line? Now right. Put it on a phone. Right. Well, look, it's the same thing with Comic Zone. Like Comic Zone was also a Sega Genesis game from the 90s. And that's one of those games where it was cool in the fact that you were jumping from panel to panel. So Crazy Taxi and Comic Zone, those are those are my jams when I was a kid, man. Like when I wasn't dying in The Lion King or playing Sonic the Hedgehog, like Crazy Taxi and Comic Zone were, were two of my favorite games to play. And now I have them both on my cell phone. So I just if I'm waiting in line somewhere, I just bust them out and play them. Comic Zone, I remember seeing on the one of the first 
Sega Genesis US commercials, if I'm not mistaken, that was something that what they wanted to go ahead and really start the trend of getting the Genesis going, getting it to the point where they were going to go ahead and compete on a level with Nintendo. And for a time, the Genesis was really at a level comparative to Nintendo, although it wasn't very long. You actually clued me in onto the great book from Jason Schreier. I got a chance to read it earlier this year. And I tell you, it does really go in detail in regards to those years between Nintendo and Sega. Jason Schreier does a lot of, of really, really great research. And you know, every, if you listen to a lot of gaming podcasts, everyone always jokes around before they say something controversial, afraid that Jason Schreier is hiding in their bushes somewhere. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, there's a lot of, um, you know, the 90s had great games, man. Like, it's just, it's, you know, you had your Golden Axe, your Streets of Rage. Whether or not you were a Sega or Nintendo kid, like, there were a lot of great games that come out of that era. And there are things that, like, if I see it on, on an arcade today, of course I'm going to sit down and play it. It's just, how, how can you not? Because I know that, like, modern games have more advanced storytelling tactics, but I mean, these were games that, inspired an entire generation to to love video games it is the book blood sweat and pixels it's something i highly recommend you can get it on amazon jason schreier from kotaku did an outstanding job and i couldn't uh and if you really want to go ahead and delve into detail in that battle that happened in the 90s between sega and nintendo really that's the book to point towards you and i'm looking forward to if Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg ever get a chance to go ahead and pull it off and actually have a movie represent that book. Going on to continue our list of the top 200, going to the bottom half, the 160s, let's continue on with number 165 is Act Razor for the SNES. 164 is a game that I know you and I have both played in recent times. I truly just admire this game. Just truly, it was an incredible narrative experience. And that is Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Really happy it's on the list. Undertale, which is an underrated indie game. A lot of people should go ahead and give it a try. Undertale is at 163. Super Smash Bros. Melee, a very popular game at the time for the GameCube. That is at 162. A lot of people love that to play Super Smash Bros., with the GameCube controller, and I think a lot of that came from playing that during that point in time. You also have Soul Calibur. I mean, when you're passing by in the arcades and you hear Soul Calibur in the in the distance, you got just gets you that gets that blood pumping, gets you ready to go ahead and get into that fight. Soul Calibur is at 161. My friend, I'm telling you, these are some great titles. Again. Just so many to talk about. It was Act Razor, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, Undertale, Super Smash Brothers, Melee, and Soul Calibur. That's a great bottom half of the 160s right there for you. I played Wolfenstein 2, loved it. Love Wolfenstein games. Like they're the 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 narrative is really great, but I just I love how they're not afraid to go over the top and they can still pack an emotional punch with their story. Undertale, I played briefly didn't really uh get a chance to fully dive into that one you know and as for the other ones i never i wasn't a gamecube player so i never really got to i'd never owned a gamecube so i didn't get into melee soul caliber was fun uh, i i never followed it past the arcade versions of it though but you know soul caliber obviously has been successful because it's led to so many iterations after the original 
a lot of people have still loved it since. I don't think it's the most popular or the most famous or the best fighting game series that's out there. I think you and I are just going to have to sit down at some point in time and talk about what is the best fighting game series of all time. But we'll save that for another day. Super Smash Brothers Melee, I think that's more famous from the fact that it was the first fighting game that you could use, you could really utilize that GameCube controller, which even today, my friend, when every time a Super Smash Brothers comes out, new iteration in that series, a lot of people still go back to that, that GameCube controller and say that's the best thing that they can use in playing whatever iteration of the Super Smash Brothers franchise. The list is getting better and better and better as we continue, but you're right. Wolfenstein 2, the narrative that's built into there with the whole Wolfenstein series as far as since it's been redone, since it's been remade, it's just incredible where it's going and where they're taking you with it. I think Bethesda and it just, they've got to get themselves a a nice pat on the back because they've really done a great job with Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Yeah, Wolfenstein 2, like, it's it's one of those games, like, it, it came out at the right moment, I guess, and it spoke to everybody in a political way, right? So, like, you know, like I, I wrote here in the thing is that Wolfenstein 2 is a game to wherever you stand on the, the side of the political aisle, it speaks to you in a way, right? So you, you feel there, there's a lot of oppression happening from both sides of the of the 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 political debate, and that's why I think Wolfenstein 2 resonated so well with people, and it's it's a very relevant game too. And I, I think that it'll be relevant for years to come. And it's just, it's, it's a good narrative. I, I tell you, man, that part with the dog still makes me cry, but mm, it's just, it, it's, it's so good, you know, and it's, it's no wonder this franchise has lasted as long as it has because it, it speaks to the players and it also is just, it's, it's a well-made game. One thing I got to ask you when it comes to Wolfenstein before we head to the break, my friend, and that is this, Wolfenstein has created such a great narrative and expanded on it with DLC, the Freedom Chronicles, after Wolfenstein 2, the New New Colossus was released. And after that, Wolfenstein Youngblood told the tale of B.J. Blazkowicz, who is the hero in the Wolfenstein series. It told the tale of his daughters in trying to go ahead and battle their way through Paris as it's being dominated by the Nazis. And you go through that story, and it tells briefly a little bit about what's going on with B.J. Blazkowicz because he's gone AWOL and missing and, and all that. I want to ask you, there is definitely going to be a Wolfenstein 3 at some point down the line to go ahead, either finish off the trilogy or expand the Wolfenstein universe even more. Where do you think this is going to go from here, and where do you think it's, it's going to lead to for B.J. Blazkowicz? Well, that's the interesting thing because they're talking to the devs at E3 and they were saying that they've basically, by creating this game with the daughters, right, they've possibly created a separate timeline. It just depends on where they want to go with it. Are they going to keep fighting Nazis? Where, where do they want to go with the story? I don't I don't have any ideas right now. Future's looking good, man. And, you know, as long as they keep crafting stories that are relevant, then I think it could be something cool. Definitely could be something cool. And again, if you want to go ahead and check out our list, it's available now at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. As we're breaking down the top 200, there are lists of 10 that come out each and every day. So you want to follow it as a new list of 10 comes out each and every day. So you want to follow it there, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. 
All right, coming up right after the break, we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about some K-pop. And is it ready to take over the world as we close out the show? This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week, got to check out our site at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. You'll get a listing of all the great radio stations that we're on, including our friends at Good Talk Radio, who play our shows back to back. Cannot thank them enough for doing so. That is Good Talk Radio. You got to check them out. Or if you want to listen to us on a podcast form, we're on over 30 different podcast outlets, including our great friends at Podchaser. You can also check out many of those options on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page as well. My friend, before we go ahead and send it over to you about congratulations, you suck, you asked for it. There is now an article that I put up in regards to the Popeye's chicken sandwich craze. In fact, the inventory for their chicken sandwich that was going to run through the end of September is already sold out. So nationwide, they're already sold out. They announced it. They're trying to get back in enough inventory so that they can go ahead and it will become a permanent staple of the menu. They're thinking two weeks, maybe two to three weeks before they go ahead and get that supply in. But I'm telling you, Matt, it was just awesome to see the sensation And I got a chance to write about it, so I hope people get a chance to check it out at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So, yes, you'll get a chance to check it out, and you won't have to go through 90-minute, two-hour lines or get stopped by the police or anything like that when you go to Popeye's here, hopefully this time next month. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with your book. Congratulations, you suck. So please share the goods, my friend. Why should people get Congratulations, You Suck? So uh, are you saying on your article, people can taste this chicken sandwich vicariously through you? They can, or they can check out our previous episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos, because I actually indicate on both the article and also our previous episode as well, just how good this sandwich actually is. All right, well, definitely go check that out. I'm going to read it. I'm excited. I want to hear about it. As for congratulations, you suck. You can pick it up today on Barnes & Noble. Amazon.com, BookLocker, and a few other places. I saw that Amazon's got a few other sellers now. You can go. Thank you to everyone who has reviewed it so far. If you do purchase a book, please leave me a review on Amazon. I would be greatly appreciative of it. So if you buy it at BarnesandNoble.com or walk into your local Barnes & Noble and request Congratulations, You Suck by Josh Peterson, they'll actually send it to the store so you can buy it from there. Or it's on the Nook or the Kindle. You know, it's just a great book and you got to give it a chance. Congratulations, you suck. Well, my friend, I want to thank you for hanging out with me. I know we had a lot of things to go over on this week's show. Got a lot coming up for Sunday's show in regards to talking some fantasy football. Hopefully, finally going to be talking some fantasy football. 
I know we've had a lot of delays in that. I'm just eager to talk about it, especially with the NFL season coming around. And I'm actually going through playing Wreckfest right now, and I'll have a review of that for the Monday show, the Pop Culture Cosmos as well. So you got to stay tuned for that because that has been Destruction Derby all over the place. It's a different kind of racing game from the makers of Flat Out. I'll tell you what, and it is something to see, to be believed when it comes to Wreckfest. And I'll have a review of that on the Monday show, the Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, is K-pop ready to take over the world? Because I'll tell you what, young girls screaming all over the place for all this K-pop that's been going on. This craze has just kicked into overdrive in the past couple of years. We've seen it get larger and larger. Seeing them play with pop bands, I've seen them play with with EDM artists, and and the blend of the actual style of music lends itself to EDM and all that. I mean, BTS, which is one of the most popular K-pop groups that are out there. I mean, they just took a break, which just broke the hearts of millions of young girls out there, just broke their hearts because they're taking a break because they've been on tour for so long, just people going so crazy for it. I mean, right now they actually have a, a concert film that's doing so well overseas and it's coming in November to the States here. A lot of other K-pop bands are gaining momentum. A lot of announcements are being made about other K-pop bands ready to take over the world, ready to take over Europe and the U.S. and Asia and all that. I mean, we're right now at a point in time where K-pop is getting very close to becoming a, a mainstream format that we haven't seen in quite some time. So I want to ask you, my friend, we've seen this transition before as far as British invasions in the 60s and 80s. The grunge music in the 90s, hard rock and disco in the 70s. So I want to ask you, my friend, is K-pop going to become the wave of the future that's going to have that mainstream appeal? I'll be honest. I don't think so. It's, it's a moment in time. It's it's Taylor Swift music. It's uh, Gangnam style, right? Like that was huge. And there's a couple other bands popping up or musicians of that style popping up. And now no one has heard from any of them since. I think it'll have its moment in time. I don't think that's going to be something that truly influences what happens going forward. How much of the the rise of the K-pop style music do you think is due to anime, right? The stuff that we consume here popularizes that stuff when it's already huge overseas. I imagine like in Japan, places like that, K-pop is already huge. So as long as, you know, there's there's anime series and movies and, and video games coming out that are using that music, it's going to continue to grow here, but I think it's only going to grow as much as the, the mediums that it's portrayed in, in American culture. You're right. It's time, I think, will be limited as far as popularity and reach, as far as a mass appeal is concerned. I think a lot of people would just have to respect it. It's, you know, They can laugh it off and, and say, you know what, I, I can't get into it, and that's fine. We've said that about every type of music style or something that's gone big. I mean, I mean, when Beatlemania hit it big, a lot of people that were out of touch really didn't want to get into it. When disco was big, a lot of people didn't want to get into that. When Duran Duran and so many other British acts of the 80s, we talked about grunge music. How many people were scoffing at Nirvana when their first hit album came out? So K-pop is going to be big. I know it's not for everybody, but I do know that there is a big future in K-pop. But you know, man, I think... You might actually somewhere deep down 
have a little bit of affection for K-pop, I think I might find you at the next BTS concert when they do come back. You basically said K-pop is EDM with vocals on it. I'm, is enticing me to go check it out actually right now as we speak. It depends on the type of K-pop. Some of it, it can get a little bit boy bandish, but the way they go ahead and blend it, sometimes it's really done very well. And you know what? I think a lot of people might get into it a lot more in the near future if there's a lot of crossover that will continue for K-pop. What are your thoughts out there on K-pop? Do you want to get into it? Are you scared of it? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, not tonight. I think we covered everything I wanted to talk about. We have survived another episode, my friend, and I'm so blessed and I'm so thankful because the doldrums in August are very hard to find a lot of great content, but I think we did on this week's PCC Multiverse. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Okay, let's talk about the Flopcast. Where every week we drink a lot of coffee and we talk about comic books, movies, conventions, music, Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, don't forget the coffee. Lots of weird, obscure pop culture stuff from the 70s and 80s. And chickens. Yeah, chickens. This will be the stupidest half hour of your week. We guarantee it. You can find us on the ESO Network. And... Flopcast.net. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. Your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.